Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist Chris Green. He was born and raised in Evanston, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, and still calls it home. He would move on to Bloomington, Indiana to attend the prestigious Indiana University Jazz Studies Program and study with renowned professor David Baker. And since 1994, he's been back in the Chicago area, collaborating with the likes of The Temptations, Eric Roberson, Steve Coleman and the Five Elements, Sheena Easton, Michael Manson, Andrew Bird, and so many others. He just released 2017's Boundary Issues with his quartet. And after 11 plus albums, he's feeling pretty good about life. So get to know Chris and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for taking some time out to talk with me today, Chris. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you for again. Thank you for listening and liking what you hear. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to start off before we get to your latest CD, Boundary Issues. Give me an idea of what's been going on with you lately. Uh, a lot, really. Just uh, a, a lot of unique. Just I mean, I, I, I've always prided myself on hopefully being able to to fit what I do in any situation, but some kind of some really unique opportunities. Of, Fallen, you know, come my way. Um, I mean, I've always, I've always tried to be a fairly versatile guy. Just, just things are things are really cracking with the CD. The initial response seems to be really good. I've uh, been, been playing a lot out a lot with uh, a number of different bands, of regional bands, some some regional touring. A funk cover band that plays pretty regularly. I've got, there's a hip hop project that I've been worked with for the past. Uh, eight years called the Jay Davis Trio, and we're getting ready. To, they're getting ready to release a new CD pretty soon, and and uh, just various sideman things. And been, things have been surprisingly good. So let's talk about this new CD, Boundary Issues. Talk to me about what went into this album and how you really feel about it. It seems like it has a really good, tight sound to it, and you guys feel good making it. Well, I'm I'm lucky in that the I've been with pretty much. I've been with the same band pretty much since two thousand. Same group of guys since two thousand five. I mean, the, the newest member is Steve, the drummer, and he joined in two thousand eleven. So he's been with us for six years now. Um, so, that's, so that that goes a long way towards um, you know the tech sound and just the, the musical rapport that we have. I mean, I, I, I wanted when I started the band. I, I specifically wanted to have a band that I could like. We're going to develop some music with, develop a sound, and develop rapport and chemistry, and, and, and like you know, musical, musical, cool musical in jokes that that would hopefully translate into like real cool music. Not not so cool and not so not so much of a hit in joke that it goes that it either flies over the audience's head or or is is is, is alienating, but just a, a kind of a palpable chemistry that you know. That bands that that bands in all genres that we love got to develop over the years, like the Mingus bands, the Ellington bands, the Monk Quartets, you know, the, even like you know, like Princess bands or you know, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, just just bands that have, have pretty much, on one hand, have been uh, are, are together and developing music and developing a sound, but because of the nature of you know, hopefully we're at least all are trying to improve ourselves individually, and so when we come back together to play, you know, everybody stepped the game up in, the, in terms of the writing, in terms of playing and execution, and just everybody's 
about listening to each other and, and just and just just really you know just really no one, no one's trying to show off how much of a badass virtual so there are everyone's committed to to making the band sound good. Right on. Well, we just kind of at the top of the hour we touched on where you're living at in Evanston. You grew up there. Talk to me about your childhood and how you got so interested in jazz. Well, um, I mean, I, I started playing saxophone at 10, and pretty much by the, by the nature of sax, playing saxophone, if you're halfway decent, you get, you know, you're, you get asked, but you, you know, I mean, you, you, you play concert band and all, and marching band and all that stuff, but by nature of saxophone being a jazz instrument, uh, you get asked to be in the jazz band. And so I, I was always interested in it, and I always liked to play. You know, I was—I was, I think I was—I was pretty good. I had a fair amount of natural talent. You know, a little, little lazy didn't, but the the, the work ethic and, and just the, the 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 love of jazz didn't really kick in until I heard. Um, I think until I heard my favorite things by Coltrane. Before that, you know, I, I liked it. I played in jazz band, but just, and and I improvise and I improvised the little tiny bit of skills that I, I had at the time. But but I. You know, I, I, I probably had more nerve, but I, I, I was at least trying to play. But pretty much, I mean, everything that I was rooted in was uh, hip-hop and uh, pop and R&B that was kind of prevalent in the late 80s or early 90s, and then the stuff that I heard at home, like Motown and James Brown that my parents would play around the house. So I was always interested in that, uh, and so I just never really, just never really clicked on me that being a jazz musician until I heard Coltrane. And then once I kind of heard that, I got obsessed and Listen to everything, listen to all the recordings I could, and uh, and, and just uh, read everything I could read about him, and just try to find as many documentaries as I could about him. Just got completely obsessed, and uh, it must have worked because I got uh, I, I got I auditioned to be in uh, I, I auditioned to go when I was trying to go to college. I, I auditioned for um, Indiana University, Kevin Baker, and I, I immediately got in. So there was that. And so pretty much after that, I was on my way. So, what did you learn with David Baker? That had to be a huge learning curve for you. You know, it, it was because again, Everson has a really good program, like a really good music program. Now, back when I was there, it really didn't get great. And so, my, my fortunately, it's like the guy that took over my senior year, the guy by the name of David Fuller. Like he saw my my desire to really get better, so he helped me helped me prepare for college auditions and everything. And so yeah, so you're right. So I was uh, when I got to school, like you, you know, you had guys that had gone to you know jazz camp and Jimmy Ingersoll camp and stuff for like for, for years and years. So I was kind of like brand new. But um, you know, David Baker has has he's just got so he's he's got a system that as far as teaching, you know, I mean, he stresses really like first of all delving into the recordings. I'd listen. I'd always listen to them as a as a fan, but I never really listened to them like, you know. He he taught me how to analyze, you know, what you know what uh, what a certain player was doing over these chords, or, and what they might what they may have been implying over these chords, and uh, or, or what this kind of rhythm is, or where this where this kind of feel comes from, and, and how you know certain people are, are rooted in, in some traditions and certain, certain other players are rooted in other traditions. So he really, he, he, he taught me to really look at the music analytically, but also just, also just, to, you know, learning, learning songs and learning tunes and learning things, you know, orally in the, in the African and African-American traditions, like making sure that you learn, you know, you learn to get all the book learning, 
you know, the soul and the sound and and the, and the interaction of music. So I, so I learned a lot from him uh, and, a, and a guy that was my private teacher there, uh, Tom Walsh. You know, uh, learned a lot from both of them. It just really, really up my game. And just they just taught me how to put. I mean, taught me how to solve problems, how to practice, how to really approach. You know, problems. Things, you know, these are the things that I still use to this day when I'm working on a piece of music or trying to practice something or, or whatever. The, the, the things that I learned there that kind of really set me on the path to where I am now. So you've collaborated with a lot of musicians over the years. You've got the quartet you've had together since '05. You've released 11 plus albums. How do you feel about your career, where you're at, and what you're doing? You know, I mean, I'm. It's weird. I I want to just a couple minds. I mean, um, part of me has got that 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 Sonny Rollins thing where I'm just like, man, you know, there's so much. I'm my I'm my own worst critic. Uh, so I'm you know I'm always you know even even the album that I'm super, you know we just released I'm super proud of it. It's probably the the first album that I can like, you know. Normally, if if, if I go to somebody's house and they bought one of our albums. And, I, and they'll, they'll play it. They'll play it like, "Hey, is that your album?" You know, I'll be like, "Hey, man, turn that off." You know, like, I, you know, I've already heard that. But this, I mean, this is probably the first album where I was like, I, you know, I, I don't mind if somebody plays it. I'm just like, "All right, that's not bad." Uh, so, but I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm self-critical of everything. But at the same time, like, I'm, I'm very happy with the way things are going. Um, but the band sounds great, and I, and I don't mean to say what I'm self-critical about the band. I'm, I'm just, I'm always just self-critical about myself, but uh, but uh, I'm very I'm very happy with the way the band is sounding. The band is firing on all cylinders. Super happy about the career. Like I'm 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 just uh, in addition to the, the great guys that I work with in my band, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm fortunate in that I'm able to collaborate with you know top-notch musicians, both you know locally here in Chicago and regionally and and, and nationally. I'm just, I'm just happy to. to be in a position where people are, are calling me for, for for various opportunities to play, and you know, and and, and, and yeah, I'm just, I'm just really, I'm, I'm just really happy with the way things are going. You know, you mentioned Coltrane being a big influence on you, but who else in the world of jazz would you consider huge influences for you? For me, oh man, this goes on. Uh, I mean, Sonny Rollins, Sonny Rollins is probably the top of the heap. Just uh, if, you, if you're talking about pure improvising and you know going consciously going out of his way not to repeat himself or get locked in a in a, in a, in a pattern as far as like the way he's playing purely spontaneous organic improvisation, um, you know Coltrane obviously Charlie Parker Hank Mobley Wayne Shorter big you know big influence um, as far as like Conceptually, composition-wise, you know, I'm a huge, huge Monk fan. Uh, it's funny, it's funny I turn I turn my wife into a uh, Monk fan as well. She's, she's not a musician, but she, I turn her into a fan. Uh, Duke Ellington, obviously. Um, Mingus. Uh, just you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I've been I've been on a real Lester Young kick. Uh, really, just trying to like, you know, it it, it addressed really just kind of address the fun uh, when I'm practicing, you know. Addressing the fundamentals of the tenor saxophone, so with you know, be it him or uh, or Don Bias or, or you know, all, all the people like all the people that the people that we admire, the Charlie Parkers of the world, and you know, I try to, I've been trying to 
figure out who those people like, and they all seem to intersect with the Don biases and the and the and Coleman Hawkins and the Lester Young. So I'm kind of been addressing those uh, older swing guys in my own practicing lately. Um, so let's whittle the list down here. You've got the Jazz DeLorean waiting in front of your house. You can hop in, punch in the digits, the coordinates. Where are you going? Who are you going to see? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, man, you know, I don't know. Um, just with the title of the album, I'm such a, I'm such a nut about music. Um, I mean, I would probably... I'd probably go back to the '60s, but I'd, I'd, I'd go see I'd go see Coltrane. Then I'd I'd also go check to see where James Brown is playing, you know, or, or you know, I I I go to the '70s and I I want to go check out like Henry Threadgill somewhere. But then I'd, I'd check the paper or something to see if like you know Parliament Funkadelic was in town, you know. So I just I'm a, I'm a, or you know or in the '80s I, I would you know I'd love to go see. I'd love to go see, you know, Bradford's '80s '80s quartet, but then you know I'm I'm a huge Prince fan, so I'd want to go. I'm also well, you know, Bradford's let out. Let's go see a Prince's plan somewhere, you know. So I'm just a big fan. I just I like music, being able to play. Or I like I like. I'm fortunate when I grew up. I grew up as a kid of the '80s, so I you know I, I listened to all this stuff growing up there. But I you know once I discovered jazz. It just it's 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 my job to kind of synthesize all the stuff that I've listened to and and synthesize it and streamline it into into something that people will want to listen to. Uh, so that's that's so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that. Right on. Let me ask you this: as a practitioner and a lover of jazz, you've dedicated your life to it. Very simply, why do you love jazz? It affords me the it affords me the ability to to say things differently every time I'm on, I'm on a stage. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation. Uh, it's, a, it's a conversation with my band. It's a conversation with my three good friends. Uh, it's a conversation that's different every time. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's, I like the fact that I like, I'm, lately I've been liking the fact that Jazz, you know, jazz for what you know, it, it, it tends to be um, on on some instances it tends to be looked at as old people's music uh, for whatever reason. But then I love the fact that you get a you, you get somebody in the audience who thinks that they're not a jazz fan and you just like just hit them in the face with really really good music. And then like by the end of the by the end of the concert, somebody that may have been dragged to a concert to see us by the end of the night is signing our mailing list and has, has bought, all, bought all of our CDs. So I, I like the I like the ability to communicate our our view uh, we, we we communicate our viewpoints about music to people who may know a lot about jazz or may who may know nothing about jazz. But there's, hopefully there's something in what we do for everybody from from the novice to to, to the expert. To the person, like I said, to the person that may, to, to convince themselves that they don't like jazz, I think there's something in what we do for everybody. So, you know, so it affords, you know, and jazz is just such a big umbrella, you know, it can, it can, it can fit everybody from Monk to Linton to 
Dave Douglas to, you know, to, to George Duke to, you know, just, it, it can fit all these different various viewpoints and still be jazz. There's still, there's something that they all have in common. I guess it's just, you know, my, my goal to listen to all this stuff and figure out what, what they all have in common. And then, you know, I can hopefully use it to make myself better and make myself, um, uh, just make myself more able to express what it is I'm trying to express. Let me ask you this. In the future, we look down the line here, we catch up, say, in about 15, 20 years from now, and I ask you what's been going on. Where, where do you want to see your career go? What do you want to see happen? What would I like to see happen? Um, I don't know. I'd, obviously, I'd still like to play because that's, that's, that's where my heart is. But, you know, I'd love to, you know, I've got to, I've put my own stuff out on my own label. I'd love to be in a position where I'm able to put, you know, produce other records as well and, and, and shepherd other other talented artists as well. Uh, I'd love to write for, write for movies or, or uh, you know, you know, bring what I do, bring my hybrid musical aesthetic to, a, you know, a video game soundtrack or a movie soundtrack or, so you know, just something. Just, just I'd like to, just as long as I'm doing something creative, uh, uh, and, and just in a position where I can be creative and be useful musically, I'll be, I'll be very happy. Is there a fan compliment that you've gotten that really sticks out to you? Something special that someone has ever said to you about your music or after a show? You know, there are a couple. Uh, there have been a couple. I think the the one that always immediately comes to mind, my, one of my favorite compliments, is uh, you know because again we're pretty we're a pretty eclectic group. You know, we do our own stuff. We'll do kind of oddball versions of standards. We'll we'll bring songs by by other artists that are not tradition, traditionally jazz songs into the jazz lexicon, be it something by Madonna or Hank Williams or Stevie Wonder, but just something that's something that's not traditionally known as a jazz song, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of retrofit it and make it a jazz song. So anyway, you know, we're doing all this stuff, and this lady who we were, we're doing this concert downtown at the Chicago Cultural Center, and this lady comes up to us, a black lady, got to be about 70, 75 years old, Walks up to us, and I'm like, oh boy, here she goes. She's going to tell us that we're, we're terrible or we're ruining the music or something. She walks up to us, and she's like, you know what? You guys are playing this stuff exactly the way I remember being, it being played. Because she's from the era where, yeah, I think she lived on the south side of Chicago, so she's from the area where uh, she could walk out of her house and, and, and go, to a, to go to a jazz club. Uh, so the fact that she we reminded her of music that she heard growing up. Uh, it meant the world to me because here's somebody that's been listening to this stuff for a long time. And some people, you know, most people can hear the connection between, you know, the stuff from the 50s and 60s and the stuff that we do. And most people hear it, some people don't. But it really made, it really made my heart glad that this lady, who obviously knew her stuff, heard the connection. So that's... That that kind of thing, I, I I appreciate that. And then also, like I said, I also appreciate when you know you, you get the compliment, like you know what, I didn't think I liked jazz until I heard you guys. I always thought it was young people's music, or I thought it was older people's music. But you guys are obviously committed to it, giving this great live performance. So this just the fact that we were able to translate all this information 
to convey it, we were able to convey it to somebody that had never really heard a jazz record, jazz or probably didn't own a jazz record. She dug it, so I was just I was like, okay. So so just just being able to communicate what we do is is, is just a good thing. So everyone has a version of who you are: your family, your friends, your fans the business people that you work with, but when you wake up and face the world, who do you think you are? Well, um, you know what? First, well, first person to wake me up is, I've, I've, uh, is, uh, is my five-year-old son. And usually he's telling, usually he's telling me to, to, uh, make him breakfast or, uh, or take him to school. So, so I, I would say first, first person I look in the mirror when I see is usually daddy. Cause that's usually the first person. Cause my, Twice at work, so I'm, I'm, I've got the day shift with my son, so pretty much daddy. Uh, and then from there, it's just, um, I think from there, it, I think it's just, uh, hard tenacity. People know me as a very, very tenacious person. Um, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, my friends and my family and, and my bandmates. Um, but they just know that I'm, I, I think my work ethic, what separates me from, uh, a lot of my peers is just the work ethic, you know. Trying, I was trying to be, I was trying to be better. I was trying to put my, myself and my band in a in a better position to effectively do what we do. So just, I think, uh, I think people know me as a, as a, well, at least when I look at myself in the mirror, I think t- uh, tenacity. Right on. That's a great way to sum everything up, Chris. Thank you for taking some time out for me today. Thank you for the music. I really appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Chicago, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Chris for his time, his stories, and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for all things Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Jazz.